picky to bitch about a couple seconds on the internet? Because it feels like all the time in the world when you're waiting. Ooh. This is a tasty beer that you've brought us here, Dave. So in my hand I hold the Midnight Rider Black India Pale Ale from Indeed Brewing Company. And uh, this is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast tonight. Um, as always, we'll discuss what we're drinking, we'll talk about football, we'll uh, break down the injuries from this week, uh, talk about some waiver wire pickups, take your questions in the chat room. If you got any questions, let us know. Uh, tweet us at Drink5. We'd love to handle some questions on air. Uh, a little later on, we'll place a few more bets and talk about the bets that we've placed and uh, talk about week eight. So, as I was saying, we are drinking uh, beer from Indeed Brewing Company, and they are based in, um, I would assume, Minneapolis or St. Paul. Yeah, Indeed Brewing Company, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, Dave, thank you for bringing these down uh, while you are up there over the weekend. Um, so this is the Black India Pale Ale. A little bit later, we're going to be able to break into the Let It Roll IPA. Um, that one looks pretty good. And uh, I do love the uh, designs on all of their cans. They certainly make the most of their graphic designers. Well, glad you like it. We'll pass on that to the uh, to the design crew over at Indeed. And uh, and yeah, I didn't get a chance to go to the actual brewery. Maybe next time. But this is a, a popular one up there right now. And they make all sorts of different brews, seasonal, and some standards, which we're, we're enjoying at the moment. All right. Well, uh, we might as well dive right in and talk about uh, what went on last week, right? So... Um, just a couple days ago, week seven happened. Uh, the biggest injury of the week has got to be the uh, torn Achilles of one Arian Foster. So Arian Foster, yet again, out for the season. This may be the third or fourth time in his career that he's had a season-ending injury. So this feels like something that is always going to happen with this guy. Um, going forward on the Texans, Alfred Blue and Chris Polk are going to kind of split maybe. Maybe Alfred Blue gets more carries. Um, I can't imagine that either of them are going to be very dominant uh, as a fantasy player, you know, similar to what Arian Foster does. So um, you may remember a couple of years ago when Arian Foster went out, Ben Tate came in and he was actually a very good replacement for Arian Foster. I do not expect that situation to occur again. Well, Houston was a better team at that time, right, with a sure. quarterback that was uh, more Matt seasoned. Schaub was a little bit better. Well, he's thrown for, you know, 4,000 bunch of touchdowns. These guys... Haven't done that, and uh, Hoyer is arguably the worst quarterback in the league. Uh, he's just getting tons of garbage points, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I, I would argue with that and bring up Colin Kaepernick, but well, <laughs> there Ka- aren't too many others, I would say. Kaepernick, I think, is a, is a better athlete than Brian Hoyer is. Hoyer's a sure. game manager guy who's getting opportunities because people are letting him. Like when they played and Miami. Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably a better Jeopardy player. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like when they played Miami, the only reason they were getting touchdowns at the end of the game is because Miami was playing total prevent and just letting them pass. Right, right. So, he got a lot of those. That was all garbage points. Don't expect that to happen every week. So if, if that's you know if that's the kind of thing that you want to do, uh, playing Hoyer is a, is a risky bet even in two quarterback leagues. Although... If they continue to lose by a large amount of points or at least get down by a large amount of points early, then we might keep seeing these scenarios happen. But what, what I wanted to say was 
We were talking about Alfred Blue and Chris Polk. And Alfred Blue is only going to be a good running back if Houston is up and, and like running the clock down, etc. There was one game this season where that was the case, and he did perform admirably. Uh, but if they need someone that uh, is going to be playing and passing downs and uh, is going to be really clutch for them, etc., they no longer have him on the team. That was Arian Foster. That's what he did. So that was his role. We can't expect there to be any replacement for him. Um, it's it's too bad, but it is the case. All right. So uh, down in Tampa Bay, Lewis Murphy tore his ACL. It was another one of those non-contact injuries. Same with Arian Foster's. Um, so in the same game for Tampa, Vincent Jackson also left with a knee injury. So Mike Evans finally was able to have a good game last week. Um, I would argue that it was mostly due to the fact that. You know, the targets that Winston likes throwing to got hurt and couldn't catch the ball anymore. Uh, so Murphy was just a WR3, so it's not going to hurt um, anyone's value very much or really help anyone, I should say. Um, Evans and Jackson are probably going to remain uh, consistent for the rest of the year. Um, that being said, Evans hasn't been very consistent. So I-, I would say I would expect more of what happened at the beginning of the year with Mike Evans than what happened yesterday or on Sunday. Um, but Vincent Jackson should still uh, be okay as long as he's healthy. And if he is out, then Mike Evans is, you know, a no-brainer starter. Yeah, Evans is great. You know, we, we saw last year that he was really good, even with, again, not a great quarterback. Uh, Winston is a rookie, so we need time to settle in. I do think that Evans will continue to be good throughout the season and get more touchdowns, etc. Um, obviously, it takes time to develop chemistry. And if he liked throwing to Murphy, now he can't anymore, etc., uh, I think Austin Safarian Jenkins, who is a great uh, pickup and a great uh, tight end in general, scoring a ton of points on the first game of the season, if I remember correctly, who then went out with an injury, will benefit from uh, Murphy's absence. And if anything happens long term to Vincent Jackson, um, plus, of course, you know it's great to have that kind of person on the team. I'm speaking about uh, Safarian Jenkins, yeah, uh, a big tight end that can catch the ball is great for a rookie quarterback, and he's kind of been missing that. So he's been having serious problems in throwing to his wide receivers consistently. But now they've got their running game going a little bit with Sims and Martin, and Evans looked a lot better. Vincent Jackson, like you said, will continue to be a good target as long as he's healthy. And ASJ in the mix might make Tampa Bay a more well-rounded team going forward. He'll be able to climb out of that AFC South basement. Yeah, they're they're a pretty bad division. Battle it out with New Orleans <laughs> to not suck. <laughs> Uh, so in Indy, Philip Dor- or I'm sorry, uh, Josh McCown first. He left the game on Sunday with a shoulder injury. It was kind of um, you know covert about what had actually happened after the game in the press conference. Uh, they were saying that he looked like he was in visible pain and stuff like that. So um, it's tough to say if he's going to start this week or not. That's going to be clearly something you know he's going to need to practice maybe at least once this week. Um, if he can't practice at all because of the pain. You know, they're probably going to go with Johnny Manziel as long as he practices all week. As long as he doesn't, uh, you know, get removed or get suspended for his latest incident. Sure. Like you said, uh, you know, McCown later said he was sort of just banged up. Uh, We don't really know what's going on. Maybe it's some kind of bone bruise or something. It doesn't look like it's anything serious, but it doesn't mean he can't be held out. Um, And I know they don't want to start Manziel, but he's their backup, so clearly... He'll be the guy if McCown can't play. He'll be the best option if McCown can't play. Now, as far as your fantasy matchups, uh, Arizona is playing Cleveland this week, so I would sit Josh McCown anyways, try and find someone else to fill in for a week uh, because 
they're not, you know, Arizona has been pretty stingy lately. They're a little fired up right now. I think that uh, they're going to play pretty well against Josh McCown. See, that's great. I remember a couple weeks ago when they were playing Denver that you were like, McCown's going to just do his regular thing. But when they play good defenses like that, they, regardless of how many times he throws the ball, they're going to run into some brick walls. Yeah, McCown barely eked out like a serviceable fantasy day that week. It was like 16 or 17, you know, that's it out of all the quarterbacks. So uh, if you started him, he didn't kill you that day, but he certainly didn't uh, do you any favors. Yeah, although, I mean, that's still good considering this year there's a lot of quarterbacks who have just not been performing on a consistent basis that we previously would have put in the top 10. <coughs> Peyton Manning. And the top 10 is, for that. The top 10's filled kind of with guys who we never thought would be up there uh, to a degree. I mean, there are some guys that were borderline, some guys that, that could have made it. But right now you got a lot of guys that at the beginning of the season we didn't think would be in that top 10. McCown is a, one of them. I, still, I think he still is. Um, just because of the volume of passing that that offense does, I agree with you though that Arizona is going to be a tough uh, a tough matchup, and I wouldn't play him either. Uh, yeah, I mean, I noticed. I think on our rankings, Peyton Manning is like twenty or lower. So uh, that's interesting uh, how the mighty have fallen. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's halfway through the season, and and more than halfway after this week through the fantasy season. Well, including this week and last week. And uh, I don't want to take away the possibility that Peyton Manning could come back and score some points because he has great receivers. If they get that running game going, which it looks like it'll be Ronnie Hillman and not C.J. Anderson in that position, they've got a great defense. But generally, Manning tends to till off you know, towards the end of the season, and that's not going to help him any if he's playing worse than he currently is. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Manning does not get stronger as he ages you know it may have seemed like that he got smarter but now his arm his body appears to be completely failing him now he's gonna poop his pants on the field any day now <laughs> so uh philip dorsett fractured his fibula in sunday's game he'll be out four to six weeks dante moncrief was already basically the number two guy there behind ty hilton there wasn't really an argument as to the pecking order so there won't be a whole lot of mix up here you may see a few more targets to kobe fleener um, but for now, you know, I think you can drop Philip Dorsett. There's no reason to try and hold on to him through his injury. He wasn't producing that much. He's not going to be a guy who suddenly comes back and, you know, wins you the championship. Yeah, uh, Dwayne Allen and Kobe Fleener were already splitting when Dwayne Allen came back. Then you got Les Fleener already. Uh, so I don't think that either of those tight ends are really top 10 candidates. Well, Fleener's been getting more targets each game than Allen right now. But I think it has a lot to do with game flow. When they're behind, they throw to Fleener. When they're ahead, they throw to Allen, and they're never ahead right now. And Fleener's been healthy, and Allen just came back from an injury. Yeah. Uh, Andre Johnson is still on that team and is going to have some big games, but they're too unpredictable to have him on your roster. And I agree that Philip Dorsett was never uh, really in the running to be on a, on a standard roster anyway. So uh, if you're in a deeper league, etc., it's time that you pick another flyer option. Yeah, I would suspect that Andre Johnson could probably have another good game against Houston again. <laughs> not just because they're his old team uh so joseph randall left the game on sunday uh for the cowboys he had an oblique injury kind of in his abdomen midsection area um he's expected to miss at least one game uh i think they've already said that he's not going to play this week against seattle so in his absence last week darren mcfadden had 29 carries 152 yards and a touchdown first time any cowboys running back has gone over 100 this year first time any of them have really shown any uh good life and 
actual uh, talent. I don't know if talent's the right word, but uh, actual ability to be the running back there. So he has been named the starter this week by none other than Jerry Jones. So you know it's going to happen unless Jerry Jones changes his mind. Well, this was always going to happen, right? It was Joseph Randall and then Darren McFadden and then uh, Lance Dunbar and then Christine Michael. So right. that it was always the lineup that was always going to be the case. And he did look great. The problem is Darren McFadden could easily get injured, you know, maybe even for the rest of the season. Easily. Because that's happened so many times in the past. Uh, and they don't have a big, huge stable of running backs. But the right. point is, for right now, it's Darren McFadden. And we should expect him to run decently because uh, they have a good offensive line, regardless of the matchup in most situations. Now, this week is against Seattle. Doesn't really matter. Right, I'm still starting him. And uh, the other fact is that he's going to be, like you had mentioned off the air, you know, still be the passing down back as well because he's the only real option there that's been doing that and good at pass protection. So that means that McFadden is a starter for as long as uh, Randall is out and the situation is un, uh, uncluttered there in Dallas. Right. And it would be a shame if, uh, from a fantasy perspective anyways, if Randall were to come back and not be named the starter again, but take just enough work from Darren McFadden that he becomes, once again, unplayable. Well, it's these committees, you know. Right. And, uh, it's nice when one, the, the one guy emerges. It gives you a chance to have a waiver wire pickup to... Or, or maybe somebody that you've sat on all year to really pull through. Yeah, although I just I don't have a whole lot of faith in Darren McFadden. We've seen him run behind uh, a couple of offensive lines. And in general, although he might have good games, he never really averages a high amount of fantasy points, and he hasn't since that one good year that he had. Right. He's got one good year under his belt. You know, he is with the best offensive line he's been with, but he's certainly not on the best... He's, I shouldn't say certainly. He's probably not on the best offense. You know, if he had Tony Romo, then I think that he would be able to be productive every single week. Um, but with Matt Castle as his quarterback, they're still going to stack the box if they think that there's actually a running threat. Yeah, we'll see Especially what happens Seattle, there. Seattle, they have plenty of good cornerbacks to handle everything one-on-one. But he's definitely the number one guy to go after this particular week, uh, even though they are playing Seattle. And Joseph Randall's injury looks like it might be multi-game, so we'll see what happens there. But, you know, in Dallas, what will probably happen is is that Joseph Randall will come back and Christine Michael will continue to get four or five uh, carries per game going forward, and it'll end up being another committee again. So I guess if you can use him in the meantime, you should use him as much as you can. <laughs> get as many starts out of him as you can. Oh, let's do some waiver picks, yeah? Cheers. <clears throat> well, first, we have a question from the chat room. and Oh, I should look at the chat room, yeah? Uh, it says, would you snap drop Eli Manning and start Dalton the rest of the year in a one-quarterback league? Um, I... I still think that in one-quarterback leagues, there is value in in owning two quarterbacks. But I do think that in that situation, if you could... If you can't get a trade or anything like that for an Eli Manning, and if it's a a shallow league, you probably can't, really. 
then Dalton is a starter for the rest of the year. Yes, because he and the offense are doing better than they have ever done on Cincinnati, and he should continue to be a top-five quarterback for the remainder of the year. Sure. Uh, the one thing that I will mention in that context is that if you do make it to the championship game, Andy Dalton has to play Denver in Week 16. Uh, so, and it's on like Monday night. You're going to sweat it out the whole time. You may not want to start Andy Dalton in Week 16, but you probably don't need to hold on to Eli Manning in order to, uh, you know, assure yourself uh, an okay quarterback that week. But Eli does play Minnesota, so could be worth it. All right. So, uh, any other questions? Uh, not just yet, no. Okay, well, we'll get some more, I'm sure. Uh, so, at quarterback for waiver wire pickups, uh, you got Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, he's only owned in 28% of leagues. He's um, put together a couple of very nice games here, and now they play the Raiders. Um, so, they're last in yards per game this season. Pretty good matchup for Ryan Fitzpatrick. He has both Brian, Brandon Marshall and Eric Deck here fully healthy right now. Uh, so, if you need to stream a quarterback this week, then... Eric Decker is not that bad of an option. Ryan Fitzpatrick? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Eric Decker at quarterback. Could work, maybe, in a different universe. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we do like Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. He has been jetting the ball around, you know, pun intended, to his receivers, Eric Decker. Hey, I like that one. And Brandon Marshall, who have been great. Uh, they have uh, a great running back in Chris Ivory, although Chris Ivory was, uh, was injured, it looked like, in the game this past week. Which we didn't speak about um, earlier, but oh, I didn't see that uh, mentioned. But we'll see uh, what happens and what develops there. It's one of those things where he could be playing this next week. Not really sure. Um, and well, that's happened to a couple of players. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be out the next week. Just thought I'd mention it. It but, was tightness in his quad, right? But um, you, you know, I, I think with Eric Decker and with Brandon Marshall there on the Jets as running that offense. They, they should have no problems, you know, getting some great points for Fitzpatrick. And he's probably available in most leagues. It's 28% of Yahoo leagues that he's currently owned in, which means he's available there in uh, 72%, which is a big number. Um, a lot of leagues, it's interesting when you, when you talk about these Yahoo stats, are two quarterback leagues or dynasty leagues, they're all included in one, right? So... Sometimes that can muddle the percentages that we see in uh, in players being owned. And I think that Fitzpatrick is probably a little less than twenty eight percent. If you're going to talk about one quarterback leagues, which the majority oh, of us play is, yeah. Um, and then we have Darren McFadden uh, as a running back that we already talked about a little bit. He's available in sixty four percent of Yahoo leagues right now, and he is a guy that is an immediate start for as long as he holds that position. Agreed, one hundred percent. So Alfred Blue, the other running back, um, that's a popular pickup. He is only owned in 17% of leagues, uh, so it's widely available in most leagues. It's possible that the Arian Foster owner, being paranoid in your league, picked him up last week, like someone did in one of our leagues, although that's a dynasty league, so a little different situation. However, um, you know, Alfred Blue, I wouldn't be quick to start him this week like I would be with Darren McFadden. Pick up Blue uh, if you can't get McFadden. If you need some running back depth, don't count on starting him just this week. Tennessee's had a good defense so far this year. Uh, let's wait and see on that situation. Kind of like uh, Sharkandrick West. Wait and see. 
Yeah, I, I think that picking up Alfred Blue might be kind of a jerk reaction for Foster owners where you could actually go out and do a trade or pick up someone else on the wire that might be more usable in the long run. It's one of those guys that is going to be a starter but is not necessarily going to be productive in fantasy. Foster owners definitely are jerks. <laughs> uh, Danny Amendola is a wide receiver for the Patriots who is sort of coming back to life again after being on the Patriots for several years. He tends to break out in weird situations and play well for stretches until he gets injured. This was probably one of those. Brandon LaFell hasn't looked very good. Um, Granted, he only just came back, so he'll probably be eased back into the lineup. But with Tom Brady throwing for so many yards, he's averaging, I think, over 300 yards per game. And the Patriots' offense always being on key. Uh, Amendola has had 191 yards and a touchdown over the last two weeks with 18 targets, 9 in each game. And that looks to continue as long as Tom Brady is, is having fun and is able to <laughs> is able to pass those balls uh, over to Amendola without any major issues, and that's exactly what's happening, then Amendola will yeah. continue to get those receptions. So for a PPR league, fantastic. I wouldn't always count on touchdowns for him, but he's definitely a clutch player who makes some wild and crazy catches. Right. He's not going to be a red zone target. Brady's already got that guy. Um Edelman has a case of the dropsies a little bit lately, so he's going to keep throwing to Amendola as long as he keeps catching the ball. But as soon as Amendola starts dropping the ball again or has a slow game, I would kind of expect him to fall off a little bit, and they may uh, try to get Brandon LaFell more involved again. Yeah, but they do sort of move him in. They do uh, in New England tend to go with the guy who is either fitting for the situation or the guy who has the hot hand. So for right, right now, there's no reason why, again, like Darren McFadden, you shouldn't start Danny Amendola. I think, and the other thing that's great about the Patriots is that they're pretty matchup proof, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> they certainly are who they're playing. And Edelman and uh, Amendola are both wide receivers that are such good route runners and such good uh, catchers in most situations. And Edelman, you mentioned, sort of bent his finger backwards the other day and is having some problems because of that. But both of them are able to catch the ball in almost any situation, regardless of who's covering them. And Brady doesn't care who the defense is on his middle finger tour this year. That's very true. Um, Doesn't matter if you're the Jets and you're the best defense in the league so far. He still tore you up for 30 uh, points and, what, 355? 355 yards through 54 times. They ran the ball nine times. Yep. That's crazy. Hey, whatever works on a week-to-week basis, that's exactly what they're going to do. Uh huh. So uh, Marvin Jones is available on most waiver wires. He's only owned in 41% of leagues. He was on bye last week, so he may have slipped under the radar a little bit. I really like him in any game where A.J. Green is getting shut down, and it, it does happen against good cornerbacks. Uh, Marvin Jones is a guy who steps up big time. So he has over 15 fantasy points in a couple of games uh, so far this year. The biggest problem with him is that he is a little bit of the feast or famine. He does have two games under two points. Well, because uh, the Bengals have so many offensive players, right? Uh, One of them can become a liability or just be discarded in a game. Sure. So let's just look at those matchups real quick. The games where he did really poorly, they played Oakland, they played Kansas City. They won, they score a lot of points. Uh, the games where he did very well against Buffalo, against uh, Baltimore, and San Diego, those were teams that were uh, playing a little bit better pass defense. San Diego was early in the year. They were a little bit better than they are now. Baltimore is anti-good pass defense. At week three? Yeah, they've been bad all year, man. Okay. Uh, but but what Buffalo you're, was good. What you're saying, I think, is uh, when they're a little closer in the Sure, in the definitely. Yeah, definitely closer games. 
in these cases. So, so that means he's spreading the ball around a little more in those games. They play Pittsburgh this week. Uh, Pittsburgh's given up the 12th most fantasy points. Marvin Jones is one of my favorite wide receiver pickups this week. Um, I'm not necessarily starting him unless I'm kind of hurting in uh, you know for depth or something like that. Um, but I, I do like him as a pickup this week for sure. Yeah, the Steelers and, have uh, problems with their defensive backs currently, and they're still trying to get a couple guys in there. They have uh, Brandon Boykin, for example, who is a, a nice slot corner, but he can't guard the outside guys. And so he's kind of been frustrated sometimes when these players like Marvin Jones could run inside and then outside, um, or if he's expected to play uh, any kind of defense that's not man on man, and they're running outside routes, he's not really able to keep up with them. So any of that could happen. And I do think that Cincinnati and Pittsburgh should uh, should give us sort of a high-scoring game because both offenses are, are good uh, in theory, and, and they've played each other many times. And, uh, well, interdivisional games are sometimes low-scoring affairs, yeah. but I don't think that either team is is going to be shutting out the other one in this game. I could see that happening when there's really good defenses involved. There aren't any really great defenses involved necessarily. Um, Cincinnati's good. They're not great. Pittsburgh's defense is improving, but they're not there yet. Uh, so um, one honorable mention at wide receiver that uh, I didn't have written down here, but is Stefan Diggs. If he is available in your league, you need to be picking him up. He is still available in 39% of Yahoo leagues. Um, he's going to be the number one wide receiver most likely there. He has the. He's really the only one who's shown any chemistry with Teddy Bridgewater. He's had a lot of success over the last couple games. Uh, 10, 9, and 9 targets, 6, 7, and 6 receptions. Um, his point total just keeps going up. I think that he's a starter right away. And he's playing the Bears. They've uh, given up lots of points to wide receivers this year. Yeah, I was just in Minneapolis watching the game uh, this past week versus Detroit, and uh, tons of people are Stefan Diggs supporters. Of course they are, but you see, based on his statistics over the recent weeks, that he is the guy there, just like you mentioned. Now, I, I still think that Charles Johnson could come back and contribute, but the Vikings are only just now beginning to pick up their passing game again. Before, in the in the very beginning of the season, it was all just Adrian Peterson. While they tried to work out their issues, and while Charles Johnson was injured, and Mike Wallace is a transport from the Dolphins, so they had to figure out the chemistry in the passing game, and it looks like that number one guy is Diggs. Uh, I don't expect him to be available in any... Uh, in any leagues, any competitive leagues that have competition, yeah. I did note, I you know, I, I I was curious, so I looked it up. He is only owned in sixty one percent, so I figured I'd just bring him up. No, it makes we sense. usually have fifty percent as our cutoff. If if he's available, he should he should be right. I just want um, to remind people. Yep, uh, Eric Ebron, uh, 6'5", 255 pound target who is starting to really get some momentum going with Matthew Stafford. And the Lions are having some major issues with their play calling, with their offense in general. That is why they kind of dumped the the, uh, the person that they grabbed from the Saints, I think was their offensive coordinator, um, one of Sean Payton's disciples. Yeah. But they decided that he was not doing well for them. And it's obvious that that's the case because they do have a lot of components there that could work well. If they are able to get back on track then Golden Tate and Calvin Johnson and Amir Abdullah and Eric Ebron, they could have a team that has a great offense that scores a lot of points per game. So uh, he's doing well now. Uh, assuming that the Lions stay the same or do better, he should continue to perform well. And he might actually, for the first time, uh, be a recommended start by Drink 5 going forward. All right. Um, I got no problem with Eric Ebron. <laughs> I 
you know, I, I could see him uh, putting up numbers there in Detroit. I don't really like the Detroit offense. I've been pretty clear about that. Uh, well, that they're we talk things. about them. They are changing things. So changing things works worked in Miami so far. We'll see if it works in Detroit. Well, they did play one game, and it was against Houston. They played two games so far with a new coach. He's two and zero. Fair enough. But no. I mean, obviously, the game against Houston was like, you know, they won last week, but they fucking killed it this week. Right, and and now the now Miami Dolphins are going to New England. Yeah, so uh, the party's over, the honeymoon's over, and uh, it's time to get your butt kicked and come back and try and figure out if you're actually good at football. Well, we'll see if they have a good offense or not, yeah, because if they can put up points against New England, then I'm sold on, on whatever new changes have been made. All right, so um, pickups at kicker, uh, Blair Walsh in Minnesota. So Minnesota is 4-2 and two now. They're uh, running their offense pretty well. Last week, Teddy Bridgewater was still getting uh, sacked left and right and getting hit all the time and looking woozy, but he got up and he made lots. Of, he got lots of completions. He had a high completion percentage. He moved the offense. They put up a lot of points. Um, a lot of times they were stopped right around the goal line. That's what ends up happening sometimes with these young guys who don't know how to uh, who don't have the full offense. I, I'm thinking, you know, there's a lot of different parts of the offense. And when you get down in the red zone and at the goal line, it's a whole different set of skills that they need. You know, it's a different way of playing quarterback. And he's just not figured that out as much as he's figured out just how to move the ball down the field. Anyways, my point is that Blair Walsh is going to be another good kicker this week. The Bears are going to let them move the ball. Uh, last week, Walsh had 20 points. I don't know that he's going to put up another 20 spot. Uh, but I do predict he will score at least 10. Yeah, he's our number 10 kicker for the week uh, in preliminary rankings. And, of course, playing against Chicago is a boon to uh, to any offensive position. Indeed. Uh, so the Green Bay Packers, are they are owned in 73% of leagues, um, but there aren't too many uh, great picks available in as far as streaming options go in leagues where you may do that. I was looking around today and Green Bay Packers were the best ones available uh, in those leagues. And mostly it was because, you know, uh, they were on buy last week. So some people dropped them. Um, obviously, since they're owned in 73% of leagues, a lot of people decided to keep them through the bye week. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as the waiver wear pickup, I, I, we've, we've, we've had better because that's already owned by most teams. But uh, as you mentioned, uh, some people might not think they're a good play because they're playing against Denver when the case is actually Denver does not have that good of an offensive line uh, this year in practice. Green Bay has been playing kind of lights out defense, although they do yeah. they do settle back into prevent at the end of their games if they're winning so they can let a lot of points go by. But I would not be surprised to see a pick or two or uh, even a, a run back pick six from the Green Bay defense because they look scrappy all year. They're our number six defensive pick. For this year, which uh, this week, this week, which is funny because they're right next to the Broncos, just slightly above them in that matchup. <laughs> you would never have previously, uh, before this season, put the Green Bay Packers and Denver Broncos as two defenses in the top ten for a week, especially playing each especially other. Especially playing each other, yeah. Because they're definitely uh, they should be scoring a ton of points, but this game might not actually turn out that way. Well, I can totally see how it falls that way. Normally, Denver is like our number one, but they have to play such a good offense in Green Bay. You bump them down a little bit. And then, you know, Peyton Manning has seven touchdowns and ten picks this year. Yeah. So he, Green Bay is the best defense that he's had to face so far this year by a decent amount, I would say, too. Uh, Detroit might be the second best defense that he had to face. 
Yeah, so, they're, they're not even on the map anymore, Detroit. Exactly. Uh, I really think that Peyton Manning is going to continue struggling in this one, and the Packers are going to feast on turnovers. Peyton had, hasn't gone a game this year without throwing a pick. Mm-hmm. And it, in the last three games, he has seven of them. The opportunity is there for both teams. Aaron Rodgers himself turned over the ball several times over the past two weeks, which is, uh, well, uh, oh, the past three weeks. Which is against against St. Louis, it was pretty bad. Which is uh, not really like him. So we'll see how he does versus uh, one of the top three defenses statistically in the league this year. So if you didn't know the records of all the teams, you would never believe that both of those teams are undefeated. Right. <laughs> both of those teams are undefeated because they have such good defense. But one has to come out of this with a loss. So we'll see what happens. Um, and Minnesota Vikings are a team that I would look at to pick up. They are a team that is sort of under the radar. Uh, and and one that is ranked eight for us this particular week. Uh, every single week that they play, they put up in standard leagues around like seven or eight or nine or ten points. So they have arguably the highest floor of a team that's not St. Louis, Carolina, or Seattle. Um, a, a team that maybe I would start every week going forward. Minnesota Vikings are are looking to be one of those defenses at the end of the year where you're really surprised they're in the top ten. But if you're in owning them, you're being very quiet about it. <laughs> Ready for another beer yet? I can be. I'm just finishing the Midnight Rider. I think we planned that. Yeah, so do you like the uh, you like the Indeed beers from Minneapolis? I do. I've always been a big fan of black IPAs. Maybe my favorite variation other than uh, just the variation where they just throw more hops in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's not... Uh, too malty. Sometimes you get them and it's just uh, all malt. It's all like caramely malt. Uh, this, like you taste the IPA too, and it's not like overbearing. It's not bitter at all. Um, very unique uh, black IPA, I think. Right. Uh, I'd like to take this this pause in the show before we move on to some player trends just to discuss uh, the podcast in general. So if you guys are tuning in for the first time, whether it be live or on archive, we do have podcasts every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Central Time in the regular season. We go for about an hour and a half, and they are archived afterwards on the website, drink5.com, on Stitcher, and on iTunes. You can subscribe to us on iTunes to get the updates all the time, uh, and we would we would prefer if uh, you'd like the show that you give us a star ranking or, or give us a review. That does really help our uh our listenership, if that is a word. You'll, you'll get good karma in your life if you do that. That's right, brownie points. And uh, in addition to that, we are very open to uh, suggestions for which sort of alcoholic beverages to imbibe on the program. And uh, if you'll notice the the mood and, and ebb and flow of the Drink 5 Fantasy Football podcast does tend to change based on the kind of beer that we're drinking. So uh, tonight we are just having a relaxing time with our IPAs. And uh, again, we encourage you to send us suggestions at daviddrink5.com or jason at drink5.com. So uh, Dave, did you know that today is National American Beer Day? It seems like there's a beer holiday every week or so, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. We'll drink to that. Yeah, cheers to that. We're drinking good old American beers. None of that... Uh, Foreign Bud Light crap. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's all owned by a foreign company now? 
Well, Anheuser-Busch and, and Miller Coors are, are merging. Well, one of those companies got bought by the real big European uh, beverage company. Anyways, we'll we, talk about fantasy football instead. And we don't want to go into what American companies are owned by foreign We companies. want to talk about what beer tastes like, not who owns it, really. Even though we've gotten into that in the past, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ryan Tannehill, uh, trending up. We're, we're on to trends now. Uh, we like to talk about trends in terms of, like, how are people doing over the last three games? What does it indicate over, you know, the next three games, maybe? The next game, the next couple games uh, for this player. Uh, so, Ryan Tannehill clearly trending up. He's 2-0 and with his new head coach. Um, they were in London. They lost. They went on by. They changed everything. And now, um, you know, they're back and better than ever, right? So, he put up 17.3 when he was in London. And then he put up 18 against Tennessee. Still a good defense. 27.58 against Houston. This is in a standard league. If you had any sort of uh, bonuses or anything crazy in a league, then Ryan Tannehill probably put up a billion points for you. Um, so, he was very efficient. He was... 18 for 19, and the only incompletion was like a garbage pass towards the end of the game. That was just fell incomplete. Um, well, he had 25 completions in a row. Dating back to the previous yeah, week. Yeah, which is a record, NFL record. Yep, good for him. Congratulations, Ryan Tannehill. Um, so I wonder, uh, he did start out slow, but do you think he can make his preseason uh, prediction of top 10 quarterback? I know we thought he would certainly be top 10. Now, this is just a throwing it out there. I like the Dolphins' offense. I've always liked them. It seemed like uh, those those last couple of weeks with uh, with Philbin as their head coach, they were almost making fun of him, not running the correct routes. I don't know if that's the case or not. I don't know if it was just chaos in the locker room and on the field, but it does look like they put the pieces back together again. And I think that there's no reason for me to doubt the talent that I expect out of these players because that did not diminish. All right. Uh, Miami's pretty impressive. Um, I think that they'll continue to play well. I don't know that he's going to uh, you know, lead them to the playoffs or anything, but they have a chance. They still have a shot. Everybody, everybody still has a shot. Uh, so for the very near future, and we can bet on this if we disagree, uh, do you think he can make it into the top 10 quarterbacks for Week 8? In Week 7, the number 10 guy had 19.72 points. Just to give you an idea of where he'd need to land. I like Tannehill. I think he's going to be good. I think they'll try to run the ball versus New England, and New England has a good passing defense. So I say no. You say no. I, I think that he will make it to the top 10 this week. So um, we'll uh, accumulate the ones that we're different on and see who wins uh, next week, like we have in the past. All right, so uh, Stefan Diggs, he's played all of three games in the NFL so far. He's a rookie, but he has trended up throughout each of those games. Um, we did talk about him a bunch already. Um, you know, th- what I wanted to know about Diggs is I want to go bold with him. I think he's going to score more than 14 points. Do you think so, or would you go under 14 against the Bears? Against Chicago, their number one receiver, I say that's a good bet. Okay, uh, so we agree he'll go over 14. And at some point when we make these bets, we'll have to figure out a way uh, that if we both lose, something happens. And it can't be a reward bad thing like a shot. You know, maybe uh, we'll have to empower the audience somehow (laughs) to win off of that when we're wrong. Uh, So Jordan Matthews has been terrible this year. Right, those struggles uh, were on display for everyone to see on Sunday night. Uh, he topped out at only five fantasy points um, each of the last five weeks. So that's just 
totally unstartable. It's a guy that you drafted as a number one wide receiver and a guy that you cannot play at all. Um, did you draft Jordan Matthews anywhere, Dave? Uh, like I'm, you, I know you have him in a league. I'm, I'm sure I did, and and I think that um, the well the the excuse here is that I guess he's had some kind of a tendon injury in his hand, uh, so he's been pretty bad at catching those passes. It's funny because you would expect if that was the case that they would be using his more as a distraction. Um, although I suppose on the Eagles' offense, uh, the only pe- person they really have to throw the ball to, well, people is Zach Ertz and um, and then Riley Cooper, Josh Huff and. Nelson Aguilar are not performing at a high level, although they are getting targeted. Uh, so they really, by throwing the ball to uh, Matthews consistently, even when they knew that he had something going on that was affecting his catch rate, it tells us that he is still considered the best receiver there, and they're still going to keep going to him until he either catches it or burns out of that team. Yeah, I mean, he's had, like you're saying, no fewer than seven targets each game. Yep. Even though he's just playing terrible. So, have you been starting him lately? Or were you able to sit him because you had better depth? Yeah, I, I don't think I've had to start him uh, all season, although I did for a while in the beginning. And I think there were a couple games during the beginning of the season where he actually performed decently, scored some touchdowns, etc. But he has had drop problems for the last probably four or five games. So, uh, I do totally agree with you that he's facing major issues. And to overcome them, uh, I would have to have more information from the team and from him, uh, specifically exactly how he's feeling and whether he's able to catch the ball. But uh, I'm going to say, since they continue to throw him the ball, that they still have confidence that he will get over this either psychological or physical phenomenon that he's currently experiencing. (laughs) And uh, Sam Bradford has been pressured. He's had issues. Uh, but he still can put the ball in people's hands. We've seen those passes, um, and and Jordan Matthews is to blame for most of those. <laughs> so I I would say uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt this week versus Dallas. Uh, well, he actually gets the benefit of sitting out for the bye, and then they play Dallas the week after next week. So do you think that he can put up ten points? Or more. Well, I'll say yes. And if it is an injury okay. problem, then he should be able to get over it by that point. And if he's injured and he doesn't play, we'll, we'll wipe that one off. But I do not think that Jordan Matthews is going to figure it out right now. Um, it's interesting you mentioned that it may be psychological. I, I could totally see that. He's all of a sudden thrown into a position where uh, they're just it, – it looks to an outsider like they're cleaning house. And he's anointed as the number one guy, and he just couldn't take it. Now, if he's also hurt, then that's going to – you know, not be great, but it's going to take him a little bit of time to fix his hand, but it's going to take him even more time to fix his head. Well, see, I don't know if, if I can say that about him just because of the fact that he's getting open and he's getting targets and he's getting the ball in his hands. Sure. So, I mean, if he was psychologically having some kind of issue, then he would probably be running the wrong routes and having uh, arguments and this kind of thing. I don't see that. Um, yeah, I mean, it could just be a focus thing where, like, you're at the moment and you just can't. I mean, mm-hmm. It's not like he's dropping everything uh and they're not all that easy so you know maybe over the bye week they can figure out a few things and get into more of a rhythm well if we see this problem part of the problem addressed it will either be jordan matthews getting back to the way we saw him earlier in the season or in the end of last season or it'll be uh jordan matthews getting less targets okay uh so lamar miller is trending up no kidding right uh, so he had only 3.6 points against the Jets, and then 17.8 last week against Tennessee, 35.6 against Houston on Sunday. So I think that the success of Miller is directly related to Tannehill's success. Um, we did already 
I think we both agree that they're playing better under the new coach, uh, Mr. PC Principal. Uh, so will Lamar Miller pass um, be the highest scoring uh, points allowed by the New England defense this year? The high watermark currently is D'Angelo Williams, who in week one put up 13.2 points. Can Lamar Miller break that? Sure. Uh, PC principal. <laughs> uh, what's the what's the actual name of their head coach now? Um, I, I want to say it's Dan something. Okay. Well, the the new interim head coach, which if they keep performing this well, will probably end up being the new head coach. Dan Campbell. Um, he is instilling more of a solid rushing game, and unlike the previous coach who never really wanted to put Lamar Miller in there as the number one back. <laughs> he went to Texas A&M like PC principal. <laughs> <laughs> who who was constantly uh, switching Lamar Miller in and out with other running back uh, uh, talent on the team. Now he's finally giving him a chance to be the lone back. Uh, well, you have Damian Williams, and now you'll have Jay Ajayi perhaps coming into spell. But it's pretty much... Lamar Miller as the number one guy. And this is what people who have been proponents of Miller and the Dolphins offense have wanted for a long time. They're like, you know, let Tannehill throw the ball, give him better targets, um, and and let Lamar Miller be the number one running back and let him run the ball enough times to be fantasy productive. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what's happening here. So, I mean, the Pats is a different story. They have, in general, played well against running backs. And if they run the ball, run the score up really quickly then it may be impossible or, or difficult, at least, for Lamar Miller to get that many points. But I'm going to say yes, because I honestly think that the Dolphins will keep it somewhat close in a surprising game against the Patriots. Yeah, uh, I think that the Dolphins will lose, but I think that they'll be a surprise and continue to remind us that they are still in it. Sure. I th- actually do think he'll go uh go over the that mark as well of 13.2. It's pretty much touchdown dependent though. Uh yes, I mean it'd be he'd have to have a pretty good game in order to get that with just yardage. Uh so, you know, I think that being on a short week, they do play on Thursday night. The team that's got this like new charge in it is going to have a slight edge. But I do believe the game is in New England, so there's no way that they actually win the game. No, I I find it very difficult to believe on this Tom Brady middle finger tour that he can lose a game. Oh, so you think that there's a possibility that they get on they go undefeated this year? Of course, there's a possibility. Look, he was threatened. Bill Belichick was threatened. The entire organization was threatened, and they had just won a Super Bowl. So, if there is any time for them to be psychologically motivated to destroy all other teams in the NFL, it's this year because they had nothing else to play for. I mean, they've won Super Bowls whenever they want. It's true. To, yeah, they at will. Yeah. And so now they're just mad and want to show the NFL that they are the best team. They will channel Gronk and smash everyone. They don't even need Gronkowski. He's just there in case they want to throw three touchdowns to a tight end. <laughs> just to show off. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so Lamar Miller, I agree with you. Uh, we agree with each other. This is a fantastic occasion that should be celebrated. You could be on to something there. I mean, any sane quarterback would throw the ball 15 times a game to Rob Gronkowski. But they don't bother sometimes. They don't need to. Yeah. It's Our, the only team in the league that doesn't need to throw the ball to like a guy that could score 20 touchdowns. To possibly the guy who's the best ever at his position. Who could be one day. Could you hand me uh, one of those IPAs, please? Uh, yeah, do you want the black or the regular? I just the had regular? the black one. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I haven't poured mine yet. All right, so Melvin Gordon has scored 
a whopping 11.2 points over the last three weeks. Not That's not each week. That's total over those three weeks. So that's not a downward trend maybe because it's varied. But let's just say he's stuck in the mud, right? Uh, jo- uh, Melvin Gordon. I almost called him Josh Gordon. So why why is he stuck in the mud? What what has he not been doing correctly? He's not been holding on to the football. And that's a huge part of it. Obviously, that's going to hurt your point total. Right. Uh, but it's also going to hurt your confidence with the coach. And uh, it's going to lead to a lot fewer carries. Last week, it looked like it was a classic, you're benched for the first half, rookie. Uh, because he didn't see the field at all. And then they had, had him out for like a couple of series um, later on in the game when it was kind of getting out of hand. Um, so, obviously, he's nothing like the other rookie this year, uh, Josh, or I keep wanting to say Josh Gordon. Dave, when is Josh Gordon coming back? Next year. Oh, really? Is that really like a thing? I don't see why not. Okay. I mean, he could be he could be expelled again, you know, from the classroom, uh, from the school. He'll be this year's uh, this this era's Dexter Manley. But I don't see any reason why he wouldn't come back again. I, I believe he is uh, is able to be readmitted into the NFL, and he keeps, you know. Uh, saying the right things and, and doing the right things and then and then going in and just totally messing up. So I, whether or not he's in the NFL uh, after that is up to him, I guess. But I think that he has not been like excommunicated from uh, the, the religion that is the NFL. Not just yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, we both want Gordon to do well. At the beginning of the, uh, in the preseason, we, talk, now. we talked about him uh, being... A guy who was just going to lead them in carries, kind of like Alfred Morris uh, last year or the years prior with the Redskins, where sure there's other guys, there's a guy who will spell him, there's a guy who will be third down back, but he will get the majority of the carries and therefore probably the goal line touches and the, uh, the guy who gets the most fantasy points on average. But that's just not the case. They don't. He don't trust him. He's not doing well. He's not well in pass production or protection. He doesn't get a lot of yardage uh, when he uh, gets receptions. He is given the ball. He, yeah, he, his yards per carry aren't that good either. So until he can prove something, uh, you know, it's just going to continue to be uh, the other guys. He needs to prove something before he's dubbed a plotting plotter. Well, what else did we say? Right, I think we were the highest people on fantasy pros uh, for Danny Woodhead this this season. Uh, and for good reason. We talked a lot about how even if Melvin Gordon was the every down back there, I, I don't mean uh, early down back there. It would still be, yeah, Danny Gordon on all third downs. Woodhead, Danny Woodhead. Gordon. <laughs> no, Danny Woodhead. I mean, let's just merge all of their names together. Sure. So it's Lamar, Gordon, Rudolph, Matthews. Melvin Woodhead. <laughs> but yeah, Danny Woodhead um, would get like 70 receptions like he did back a couple of years ago. And he's probably on pace to do that. But in addition to that, right now, right now, he's also on pace to probably uh, have more rushing yards and attempts than he's had before. So that is pretty impressive from a little guy. I don't know if his body can take it. But it looks like San Diego is going to keep dishing it to him. Yeah, I mean, he already has 49 attempts. His highest for a season is 106, so that's close. Um, But he's also got 37 receptions already. Uh, That's on pace to get close to his 76 reception year. So we were really accurate saying that this is probably going to be a repeat of that year with Rivers. Yeah, I mean, he had eight touchdowns that year, so very impressive. He already has 407 yards receiving that now. Like he, He's beating the yardage from that year, so he is more productive now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's averaging 11 yards per reception. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with the garbage time. Like 
there are a couple of drives that they've had this year where they have the ball at the end of the game and they're down by more than one score and the other team just lets them march down the field and let Danny Woodhead run out of bounds. Sure, but I mean, so DeAndre Hopkins has points. to get his points from somewhere right, too. Right, those are points, <laughs> but those are not points you can count on. Yeah, well, if San Diego keeps putting very themselves situational. in that position. Yeah. Well, it's like the Jaguars and Cecil Shorts did really well yeah. uh, just getting tons of passes and touchdowns at the end of every game. And every time I think we would talk about him, at least for the first couple of weeks that was happening, we'd be like, who's this guy, Cecil Shorts, right? And we'll drink five every time we say that. So I'm just going to keep drinking while you talk about him. <laughs> who's this guy, Cecil Shorts, and how does he keep scoring touchdowns and, and getting all these points? Well, garbage time is the culprit. And if a team is going to continue to play in the same spot and nestle themselves into this uh, situation where they're going to be behind at the end of the game, then they're always going to pass to those guys. And those guys are always going to score those points. So that's what I talked about Brian Hoyer earlier. Um, we question whether or not he can keep up his stats. Same with Josh McCown. But those guys, you know, we should be honest with each other, right? They probably will as long as they're healthy keep putting up those numbers because the teams don't need to defend them at the end of the games. Exactly. And it might be a little different in Cleveland because Cleveland is a little more competitive than Houston, but... Uh, let's get back to Melvin Gordon. So your question is, uh, against Baltimore, will he get more than 10 points? Will he get 10 points or more uh, yeah. in this game versus Baltimore? And uh, I have to look at the, the trends and look at what they're doing with Woodhead and look at uh, you know the fact that they, they want to toss the ball to like guys like Ladarius Green and Keenan Allen and Danny Woodhead, and they're very much a passing team right now. So I yep. say... Even if Melvin Gordon gets more than he has in the past couple games, he probably still won't do anything with it. I agree. I don't think he makes it to 10 points this week. So he's still in the doghouse, and he, he still, even if he gets the opportunities, probably won't do that much with it. And you're right, he's no no Todd Gurley. But Gurley is a, <laughs> is a top five running back. So Yeah, Gurley has been incredibly impressive this year. Uh, so Kyle Rudolph uh, has not lived up to his hype, in my opinion, uh, from the pre from this year. It sort of seemed like he was going to be a, a sure top 10 guy this year, if not, you know, creeping in higher uh, with, you know, being young, having a young, talented quarterback. Um, he has a season high this year of nine points. Uh, each of the last two weeks, he's scored a touchdown, but still only has 6.9 and 7.0. That's because he gets two receptions of a touchdown every week. Right. So his ceiling is incredibly low. Uh, do you think he'll be able to break out? and break that ceiling and score 10 points or more against the Bears. No, his floor is high because he scores a touchdown in every game. Right. Um, But if you play him this week or next week or the week after, whatever week you play him, uh, and I'm speaking to our audience, he will not score a touchdown. No, I'm speaking to you, Jeremy. And he will give you two points. Right. For 20 yards, two receptions for 20 yards and no touchdown. And no touchdown that Because that's what will happen if you play Kyle Rudolph. He will be tackled at the one. And so uh, I don't think he will score 10 points against the Bears. Although, uh, you know, just looking back historically, I think it's always a good bet to play tight ends against Chicago. They (laughs) they tend to not be able to guard across the middle in those short uh, situations. Sure. The thing about Chicago, though, they're giving up so many points to wide receivers that people aren't bothering to throw to their tight end. It's probably probably (laughs) going to be Wallace and Diggs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't even. It's one of those like uh, sometimes you see a team that's so bad against the pass that nobody even bothers to try to run the ball against them. Then again, they can't defend against the run either. So Adrian Peterson should have a really good time. Uh, oh, Purple Jesus is 
you know, coming to rise again against the Bears. The only good thing about the Bears is that their offense has been clicking and Elshon Jeffrey is back. So even though they might lose this game because Minnesota's offense is, is pretty decent, they're also going to put up a bunch of points probably. Yeah. All right. So um, we disagreed on, let's see, one, two, uh, oh, three. two of those only. So maybe we'll find a third bet at some point to uh, to be a tiebreaker. Okay. Uh, or or we can pick a tiebreaker uh, of something. Anyways, uh, we can talk <laughs> about some of our other past bets. So <clears throat> we did this again. We did this previously in week six. We bet on some trends. Excuse me. <coughs> you got to press the cough button. That's right. Oh here. yeah, my cough button. I don't think that actually did anything. Um, I actually have one. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh. Maybe maybe we can uh, expand the budget and get you a cough button. We'll need. We'll just need a signal or something. <laughs> it, my signal is I'm going to put my hand in front of my face and cough. I'm sorry. I don't know what that refers to. <laughs> Are you choking? I don't get it. All right. So um, we bet on trends in week six. Dave, you won. And uh, I owe you pizza. There was a couple of things that we had agreed on that didn't happen. What are the stipulations of that? But what, what what exactly is sort of pizza? You get pizza? to choose where we're going to order pizza and what we're going to order. You get to choose a pizza that we're going to order. Just a pizza. Right. Okay. I, I can order a second pizza <laughs> if you're going to order something weird that I don't want. That's fine. You're all more right. than you won the bet. It's I, all yours. Excellent. Um so I just did a lot of winning this past couple of weeks. Uh yeah. So I, it, it's time for me to win a few. It, it, yeah. So why don't you? It'll come around because I had won a few previously. Let's talk about what we what we bet on, and then uh, I'm sure we're gonna pick some more bets. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, <laughs> so um, we had Doug Martin uh, trending up, and we both agreed that he would continue trending up. Just this past week, he had 136 yards on the ground, 35 more in the air, 17 points. Uh, we were talking earlier about Tampa Bay's offense. Uh, I do agree that they're rolling now. I think that they've figured out the running game. They're going to slowly uh, figure out the passing game. I think Doug Martin continues to play well. Yeah, and and Charles Sims as well because that is really the... uh, There's room for two guys It's the right idea that they have there where it's not a committee. It's two guys splitting, and they're splitting it well, and they're getting on with each other, and they complement each other. They can both play in every situation, I think. Yeah. And that's a that's a big strength. Sometimes you want to get specialists, but sometimes it helps to keep the defense on their toes. Yeah, it's like one of those like uh, D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart relationships where both of them could sort of do everything, but because there's both of them, neither of them are top ten. Sure, sure. But, but if one of them gets injured, then the other one will probably end up being really good. And, and the reason that that was happening, <laughs> I think, is because they had Cam Newton. If they had a quarterback that wasn't going to steal a bunch of rushing yards and touchdowns from them, then they would have one of them would have been more worthy, not top ten, but more startable. Well, you're you're right, and in this situation with Jameis Winston being uh, being a rookie and still learning the offense, he's sort of bringing them down a little bit as well. Yeah. All right. So uh, Latavius Murray had been struggling. He, we both said that he would bounce back uh, against uh, who they play San Diego last week. So he had 85 yards, a touchdown, caught one pass as well. So he's not being used out of the in the passing game much, but he is running the ball a lot. I was a little worried. I mean, they played with a good size lead for most of the game, and he only had 15 carries. I don't understand the game flow in that situation. I don't know if they decided to not play him much in the second half again, like they had been doing, um, but they needed to use more Latavius Murray. Uh, I, I do think that he will see enough work to be fantasy startable most weeks, or probably every week. Um, but I, I wish that Oakland would use him more because there's room for it. 
Um, and Mike Evans was struggling, and I think we both said that he would not uh, really rebound. Well, I'll be honest with you. He was actually a sit for me this past week, which yeah. makes me look kind of bad. I, was, I started Vincent Jackson and sat Mike Evans, not on my team, but on, on my recommendations. And so yeah. I apologize to anyone who did that because that was the opposite thing that you should have done. <laughs> However, you know, Jackson going out early and Evans having a great game, both were somewhat unpredictable. Lewis Murphy going out early. Yeah, those were somewhat unpredictable based on the previous games. Uh, in fact, they were very much unpredictable. So, yeah. but but that's what we're here for, you know. And, and it's it's a good demonstration to show that you know we're not perfect. Yeah, you can't be perfect. So you can't be. I mean, M- Mike Evans did catch that forty-yard touchdown early in the game, but then Jackson and Murphy both went out, and he proceeded to get another hundred and twenty yards. And and a lot of that would have been split up. Exactly. He might have finished the game with sixty and a touch, and then we would be saying, you know, oh, he came back, but it's still mediocre. Uh, so, um, <laughs> well, you go out there and score 60 yards and a touchdown, man. <laughs> Come on, man. No problem. No problem. <laughs> okay. So last week on the show, we picked a team on the spot. Uh, we did a quick draft. We picked between basically players 19 and 20, roughly, um, on the, in those spots on our rankings. Um, so do we want to go over the lineups that we had real quick or should we just talk about the um, results. Well, I know that I beat you. Uh, yes, you did. Uh, uh, now, if we look at the lineups, um, those are guys that I was pretty high on. And uh, several situations, I'm sure you would have picked that guy, but you couldn't. Uh, so maybe there was an element of, of getting lucky, but that's fantasy football. Um, but th- there was a couple guys that I think you picked over Guys that ended up being better. That ended up being the right one. Just because, you know, this week didn't work out for you for our on-the-spot bet. Uh, I, I feel like we're going to do more of these because it was a lot of fun. So, uh, what were the lineups? Yeah, I mean, we have time to... So, to uh, your heavy hitters were Christine, Kirk Cousins, uh, T.Y. Hilton, and Jarvis Landry. And Cousins was crazy good. Cousins had three passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Yeah. Um, so T.Y. Hilton had 150 yards and two touchdowns. That was off the hook. Yeah. Jarvis Landry scored two touchdowns as well. So you had five touchdowns just from those three guys. Those were the only players that scored touchdowns for, for you. The rest of your players, Christine Michael, Carlos Hyde, uh, no good at all. It sounded good. Tavon Austin, Vernon Davis had like six-ish points each. Dan Bailey was okay, nine. And you had the Jets defense against, you know, New England. They weren't going to turn the ball over. They only had two points. Yeah, so I picked the right three dudes. Yeah. You predicted that you would have 85 points, and you scored 107.48. I, well I, done. I owe that mostly to Kirk Cousins. Right, so uh, the only good performers on my team were Chris Johnson on uh, Monday night, had 122 yards and a touch. He's been good to stop you uh, like almost every single week that he's played since he's got the starter role. I think he might have like struggled one week. But uh, over this sample size, you can you know write that off at this point. It's been impressive. I mean, he's literally going to be CJ1K again this year. CJ1K, he's getting there. He's hey, got 567 yards. 1,000 yards is an awesome. CJ.5K. It's an awesome accomplishment. It's he's just, made it there. It's just funny for him because he, for those of you who might who might not have, have known this, uh, he ran for 2,000 yards in a season. Right, many, many years ago. <laughs> Back when we were wee little tots. I think before I played fantasy football, <laughs> he did it. It was a long time ago. Well, it's great to see a guy like that come back, but go on. All right. Um, Blair Walsh was my other big performer. He scored 20 points. That was the high mark of my team. Is your kicker. Fantastic. Everyone else on my team just blew. 
I had Vincent Jackson, who would have had all those Mike Evans points. <laughs> I had Dante Moncrief, who only had 34 yards and a touchdown. I feel like when they're playing with a lead, they find him a little bit more. Uh, Willie Sneed was not there. I got stuck with Brent Selleck. What am I going to do? Uh, Sam Bradford was no good. He didn't even score a touchdown. Antonio Andrews uh, had 57 yards. Uh, I, I did notice in Roto World the, one of the blurbs about Antonio Andrews. The coaches were saying that they want to get him the ball more. Well, I like him. You know, he was a start yeah. for me. He scored several touchdowns so far this year. He only had the fifty-seven yards and only ten carries. Yes. So I mean, his his he's uh, not getting the ball enough. His yards per carry were good there, and the other guys uh, on that team, the other running backs, with the exception of of I think it's David Cobb who's been injured and comes back in week nine. Uh, you, you're talking about. Uh, uh, dudes like uh, God, what is his name? What is the the number one guy there? Bishop uh, Sankey. Yes, yeah, Sankey. So he's just been underperforming since he was drafted. Bishop Sankey's barely getting touches now. So, so it's, it's you can him. almost write him off. They're giving McCluster the ball. Dexter McCluster gets more touches than anybody else in that team as a as a running back. Um, I think that it may still be. It's it's a really close between Antonio Andrews and Dexter McCluster. Check and it, it out. It sounds like they're going to give the ball to Antonio Andrews more. Well. They're going to give the ball to Antonio Andrews more this next week, and then David Cobb comes back and becomes the starting running back for Tennessee. Which, by the way, I think personally is a is a great pickup uh, for those of you out there looking for running backs. Because if you pick him up this week, no one's going to even think about it. Uh, and he's probably not owned by hardly anybody in, in regular leagues. Uh, and by the time he comes back, he's going to come right shooting up uh, to the top of that depth chart on top of Dexter McCluster, Bishop Sankey, and Antonio Andrews. Mm-hmm. But I do think that Andrews has a good shot of scoring a touchdown and getting 60-plus yards this week because of the comments that the coaches said and because he's been playing well. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm anxious to see what Tennessee can do when they have all their pieces together. They seem to have a decent defense. They can't find a running back. I, I feel like there is talent somewhere in their receiving core, but there's never been a real quarterback to find it. Um, and I really want to see Marcus Mariota, uh, Mariota play, you know, Mariota. I'm an idiot. <laughs> play, you know, a lot of games so that I can get a good sample size from him. I think everyone got the idea, you know. Um, everyone is pronouncing his name incorrectly. So or, or I've heard I, I've heard differently more uh, people. You know, Mariota making the effort to say it right, or just downright saying it right. There you go. Well, uh, he may not come back this week, but if he does, then he should do all right. Uh, I'm I'm looking at that situation myself because for me, I have a league where I have to choose between uh, Mariota and Peyton Manning, and that's going to be a tough one for me because I might choose Marcus if. If he's back and looks healthy, um, that seems like maybe the right option, uh, especially against Green Bay's defense and a weak offensive line. Um, but but you're right. So so you had uh, a tough one there. But the reason that I won was really mainly because of those three guys. The no one else on our team did that much. Right. All right. So Dave, uh, you beat me 107.48 to 69. Um, if anything, I was closer to my prediction, so I feel better about that. I predicted I would score 75 points. That's very close. I scored 69. Uh, So, um, Dave, you win a Frisbee golf disc of your choice. I believe uh, you asked for a Banshee. No. No. Well, it's not really important, but but I did give you my my specific request already. And so you can buy it at the cheapest price that you can find, uh, and that is cool with me. Appreciate it. 
All right, so uh, we'll go on to this week. All right, so we're going to pick guys again. We'll pick up a lineup real quick. We're going to go between the 14th and 15th ranked quarterbacks uh, this week. So, Dave, you get to pick first between Cam Newton and Russell Wilson. Cam Newton. All right, Dave takes Cam, and I have Russell Wilson. Cam versus Indy, Wilson versus Dallas. Thank you. Uh, Both could do really well. Yeah, I mean, both of them have big potential. So uh, at the running back, we're going to go first with the 18-19 pick. Um, Loading, loading, loading. 18 is Latavius Murray, and 19 is Jeremy Hill. Murray versus the Jets. Hill versus Pittsburgh. versus Pittsburgh. This is a tough decision. So do you want to play matchups, or do you want to play history? You tell me. Uh, I guess it is my choice, isn't it? Damn it. I was hoping uh, to not have to pick this one. Um, I think... I'll take the other guy. That you will take the other guy. I will take... Um, give me Jeremy Hill. Oh, man. That seems like a bad move. He's done nothing lately, right? He scores a lot of touchdowns, and uh, I need upside here. Does you're, he you're score right. a lot of touchdowns? He's got like five touchdowns this year. But he had three in one game, I think. He had... He has two, one, and two. Give me another one of those two touchdown games. Fair enough. Uh, will I take Latavius Murray by default? You know, I mean, I, I'm i just in my head a little bit about Latavius Murray because I, he, he is only getting 15 touches a game. I don't know why. Because Giovanni Bernard has been performing well. No, 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 Latavius Murray. Oh, uh, yes. Because there is no to... other. There is no Giovanni Bernard there. Well, they, they have Roy Halu. He they, is no Giovanni they, Bernard. They probably don't want to wear out his, uh, his wheels, I guess. I suppose... <laughs> um, okay, so now 2021. Well, remember, got... I used to complain all the time about Jamal Charles not getting enough carries when he was with Thomas Jones in Kansas City. And at least he would play. At least he was healthy. <laughs> at least he didn't tear his ACL all What the time. happens when you give a guy 28 carries a game is like he injures himself. Oh, man. Same thing Jamal Charles and Arian Foster. And imagine people that had them both on the same team. That must have been terrible. They're done. They, they've committed fantasy harikari. Yeah, they are finished for They're the season. They're not playing basically. anymore. They might as well just throw away the keys to their team. Uh, so who do we have next? Okay, so 20 and 21, your choice between LeGarrette Blunt and Carlos Hyde. Great. Well, I know exactly who to pick because LeGarrette Blunt had like three carries for negative three yards or something. And, <laughs> and whenever that happens, uh, the next week he'll get three touchdowns. So I choose him. Okay, and Carlos Hyde has to play St. Louis. So it's not like it's a no-brainer with him. Garrett Blunt. He has way too many extra letters in his name. It's too bad we didn't choose three running backs because the next guys, it's so funny that they're right next to each other. Darren McFadden and, and Eddie, Eddie Lacy. Lacy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I did look at the matchups to make sure that we were getting fair ones. Like, I mean, if you were picking between Carlos Hyde and Darren McFadden, it would be a really obvious one, I think. I don't know that that's true. Well, Hyde versus St. Louis and McFadden versus Seattle. Well, let's look at what Hyde did last week versus what McFadden did last week. Well, I mean, if you just look at their... Yeah, McFadden was so much better last week. That's what I mean. But Hyde is is in a better situation and is a constant starter and it right. doesn't get you know. Uh, anyway, you're you're right. I suppose I. It's it's random, sort of whatever we do, unless you're going to uh, if unless you're going to just uh, pour over everything and determine uh, what's going to be best for sure. you. I, I just kind of stuck my finger on the map and said, "Does this work?" Yeah, it looks fine. Okay. All right. So uh, moving on to wide receivers, we'll pick three of them. Uh, we'll start with wide receiver 19 and 20. And it's my choice between James Jones at Denver, Jarvis Landry at New England. Why do I give myself the tough choices? Um, so 
James Jones does have Devontae Adams coming back. However, I am no, you know, giant fan of Devontae Adams. I don't think that he's going to supplant James Jones in any way. Uh, Jarvis Landry has scored three touchdowns in the last two weeks, I want to say. Landry is is the superior athlete and receiver, but uh, he is playing a difficult passing defense. And, uh, and I, I don't know. That's a tough one for you. I'm going to have to take... Jarvis Landry in this one. That's what I would do, too. Of course, now uh, James Jones will score two touchdowns. Against See, Denver. I've been thinking that it's about time for Randall Cobb uh, <laughs> to you know stop hiding, and he'll come out and play this week. Uh, so the next two, uh, 21 and 22, are going to be Travis Benjamin and Eric Decker. Well, then you planned it correctly, because then you can choose Randall Cobb in the last I certainly can. Selection. See, you did stack the deck. I didn't stack anything. <laughs> what are you talking about it? Then it happens. <laughs> of course you did. Uh, but I'll still beat you anyway. Uh, Travis Benjamin versus Eric Decker. Uh, I love I Eric. I know who you're taking. I love Eric Decker at Oakland. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, one of my favorites all year has been Travis Benjamin. I fear if, if Josh McCown is not healthy but still starts... I don't think that Travis Benjamin is going to have a great game. And if and if Josh McCown doesn't start, then Johnny Manziel will play who doesn't know how to throw uh, he, to receivers. He knows how to throw to Travis Benjamin, though. That's because they, they play playground football, those two. And that's fine with me. Travis Benjamin's a great... He's, he's good at running routes and playing playground you know, football. Like, I'm still sorry about, like, uh, you know, when, when Johnny Manziel played the Steelers in the playoffs, and, and Johnny Manziel threw, like, a huge... Pass to uh, Dave. I think you have some PTSD there. To Demarius Thomas, it was Tim Tebow. Oh, Tebow. Yes, it's even worse. I'm sorry. I, I I'm sorry to like touch those nerves. It's just these weird short guys that, that are not as good as people think they are. Man, Tim Tebow. Okay, fine. Who do you like better, Tebow or Manziel? Oh God. <laughs> I guess for this week, I'd have to go with Manziel. <laughs> All right. Uh, the last wide receiver. Wide receivers we'll choose between are going to be uh, John Brown in Arizona and Randall Cobb at Denver. John Brown's been playing very well lately. Um, he is clearly uh, one of uh, Carson Palmer's two favorite targets. He's almost like the Reggie Wayne to Marvin Harrison there. The fact that Randall Cobb is number 24 in our rankings demonstrates how badly he's been doing over the past few weeks. Yes, he has been terrible over the last few weeks. The Packers offense hasn't really exploded to throw a lot, and they're playing Denver this week. However, I said it earlier, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to take Randall Cobb because I think that he's going to be the one who comes out of the slump in uh, Green Bay. Sure, and for those of you who just tuned in, uh, what we're doing is we're picking out a fantasy team for both of us based on our rankings. Just doing like a little short draft and we're almost finished. So that means that I get uh, uh, John Brown, uh, which should be pretty nice actually, versus Cleveland. No problems with that. He's been performing out of his mind. Uh, so if we choose uh, tight end kicker and defense, so we've finished after that. And maybe you can just go over the lineups uh, and we can talk about a couple... Uh, uh, other things before signing off today. Yeah, sure. So on to the tight ends. Um, I think we're picking numbers 10 and 11. Uh, yes, we'll do 10 and 11 tight end, uh, kicker and defense. So uh, 10 and 11, Dave, your choice between Ladarius Green and Eric Ebron. Uh, so a couple interesting guys. Green is playing Baltimore and Ebron is playing Kansas City. Both of them are sort of depleted with their secondary. Um, I don't think Antonio Gates will play... 
And I think that Ladarius Green has been playing crazy good. Uh, Rivers loves to throw the ball, loves to throw it to Green. He's the obvious choice. Yeah, I would have totally taken <laughs> Ladarius Green. In but that we situation. talked about Abron earlier, and I think he'll have good games going forward. So he's not a bad, not a bad dude either. Totally, and uh, I like you know I didn't feel like that was an unfair choice or anything. It's it's a good uh, pick. So uh, between ten and eleven here, we have Blair Walsh uh, playing Chicago, Mason Crosby playing uh, Denver. I am going to go with Blair Walsh. And uh, Dave, you are going to get uh, stuck with Mason Crosby. Oh, shucks. I mean, you know, they play Denver. Denver can totally keep them out of the end zone. So uh, lots of opportunities for uh, field goals. No, I, sure. I, I love it. That's fine with me. And then uh, you get the final choice between the Atlanta Falcons and the Tennessee Titans at defense. Atlanta uh, plays Tampa Bay at home. Tennessee goes to Houston. So I, I like Tennessee a lot. We mentioned earlier their defense has been playing pretty well. Uh, not enough to win a whole bunch of games, but playing against a Houston team, they could do they could do very well here because they've got Brian Hoyer, who really is the king of garbage time this year and has not played well in the first half of games. He's not a good quarterback, people. You get over it. <laughs> if, if you just look at the stat line and then try to uh, you know in, interpolate that information or whatever, that is not what happened in the game. It, to accurately reflect what Brian Hoyer does in games is to look at a tape of, let's say, a, uh, a wild bear um, finding and killing prey. <laughs> okay, so... And of course, in that in that analogy, the um, the prey is Brian Hoyer. What you gonna do? I I do think that I'm gonna select the Atlanta Falcons defense versus Tampa Bay because although they have started figuring it out, the rookie quarterback uh, and uh, the mistakes that are made by that offense are are ones that I want to capitalize on. And I think the Titans, um, who I'm sure you'll be fine with. Uh, yeah. They they will probably score a whole bunch of points at the end of the game. The Houston. The Houston, like Nuke, you know, will get fourteen targets and two touchdowns. <laughs> Is that his nickname, Nuke? N U K, yeah. Oh, okay. For DeAndre Hopkins, right, right. Oh, that's pretty sweet. All right, Nuke Hopkins, man, you didn't know that. So uh, my my proposal was that uh, this week we're going to be playing for uh, getting beers for next week, good beers, because Mike Mosarino um, will be joining us. One okay. of the writers on our website, he's going to join us next week for the show he's been on before. Uh, he came on to the Retrospectacle podcast as well and talked about drones. That was really cool. Yeah, well, shout out to Mike, and we look forward to having him on. And then we do have some guests being lined up over the next several weeks. So that's going to be a fun experience to have a third voice in here. Uh, and these are guys that are really experienced in fantasy football as well, so they can add something to the game. Uh, and then I guess uh, before we get out of here, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about some under-the-radar guys, right? So the guys that no one knows, right? No. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> you got to play with me, Dave. That's the name of the song. All right. Well, I was just, <laughs> I was just looking at the players we're going to discuss, and they're definitely not guys that no one knows. That's true. So the first guy on the list is Derek Carr. Um, his current ECR is 23. We've got him ranked at 11. I really think that Derek Carr is going to have a good week this week. Uh, in terms of, you know, all he has to do is hold on to the ball, and he can put up points against the Jets. Tom Brady showed that as long as you 
can remain upright and throw the hell out of the ball, then, you know, as in throw it a lot, not necessarily have to throw it that far downfield. Uh, you know, he put up 355 yards. He put up a couple I'm touchdowns. I'm sorry, but, but Tom Brady and his statistics cannot be translated to other quarterbacks in the NFL. Look, I'm not saying that Derek Carr is going to be a starter in he, a one quarterback league this week. He is. Too, I should Brady, have started with that. Tom Brady is I should a have started supernatural with creature. I should have started with Derek Carr. This is for a two quarterback format, not a one quarterback format. No, I, I like him too. So, so I, I like him this week. Amari Cooper has been playing very well. He's starting to develop a rapport with his tight end. Um, um, oh, I can't remember his Oakland? name. Oakland, Michael Rivera. No, not Rivera. An- another guy. Yeah. Um, you got me, man. I haven't been looking to Oakland for my tight ends. I'm, I'm so far away from Oakland. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you who that is in a moment. But I, I just want to say, Derek Carr, uh, a lot of people are down on him this week, maybe because of the matchup against the Jets. But the Jets have to go all the way uh, to Oakland. I don't think that um, you know they're necessarily going to just stomp all over the Raiders. The Raiders have played very well this year. They opened up a huge dominating lead against uh against the Chargers last week. So uh, they're no slouch. All he has to do is hold on to the ball, and he's going to be very uh, solid guy. Okay. Tight end Clive Walford. Clive Walford. I could not. It's funny. Last my year, Michael up. Rivera was, uh, was a good pickup and, and a good uh, start in PPR leagues. But, yeah, this year he's been kind of disappeared. So it must be this Clive guy, right? He's been disappeared. Clive Walford. Someone kidnapped his yeah, ass. Well, it's an old mob thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, we, we can talk about it if you want to know more about it. I actually have ties to... You, you, uh, gotta, you know a guy? You I know, know guys guy? who disappear some guys, you know? I know a guy. <laughs> uh, but Clive Walford, I, he sounds like someone who uh, who's like a nondescript white uh, professional businessman who gets murdered in like a horror He's movie a, or something. I, I thought he was a uh, real estate agent. A real estate, yes, yeah, you're right. Clive Walford Realty. Yeah. Anyway, um, we're not suggesting that you start Clive Walford, just that he's been getting passes. Sure. Um, and, you know, as long as Derek Carr can keep developing uh, these other tools on his team, Latavius Murray, uh, Amari Cooper, I don't think, Clive Walford. I don't think he needs to develop Amari Cooper. I, you're right. I think Amari Cooper needs to develop Derek Carr. You know, everyone was saying that was that was uh, smart uh, about you know college prospects going into the draft. Okay. That Amari Cooper was the number one guy, hands down. Didn't even need to be like given any lessons on how to be a wide receiver, and he has totally proved that. Oh yeah, he's, he can run any route. He can just he's already doing it. He's going to be a top five wide receiver pick next year. Uh, up there, yes. Yeah. Uh, so Dion Lewis. Um, we have him ranked number nine. His ECR is currently 25. I think that his ECR will come up a little bit um, based on people coming around to the fact that he'll probably be playing this week. That's fine, but 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 I think that they still are going back and forth as far as who they're going to use. So I, I have a real hard time still. I mean, he's not the starting running back who's going to run for 20 uh, touches every single time that New England plays. He He's a guy who, when he's healthy, is probably going to see the ball um, you know, 18 times a game. But there are games where he's not used because the Patriots are the Patriots. The only game that that's happened this year is the game when he was hurt. So I think that they found a guy who can run between the tackles, who can handle a decent amount of the running game, who can block, and who can catch the ball very well out of the backfield. Deion Lewis is just a little bit better than the rest of the guys that they've had on their team, and that's all they've needed uh, to let a guy step to the next level. And I think that Deion Lewis is going to be filling that role on the Patriots. And he's going to be a clear 
you know, lead guy on that team. Not like a workhorse back, not a guy who's handed the ball 20-plus times a game, but he's going to clearly be the first option out of the backfield. So I understand what you're saying, but if we look at it a little bit, uh, in week two he had seven rushes, in week three he had eight rushes, in week five he had six rushes, and in week six he had four rushes. And, and altogether, I mean, even adding up the receptions in addition, he's really only getting 13... Uh, 13, okay, yeah, 18 was too 14, many. 7. He's only, I mean, the most he's ever had was 19. That was the first week. And from then, it's really 66. just not been that much. Uh, so, granted, he's their passing down back, and he's a good athlete, and I agree with you. However, he is not getting any kind of lion's share of their, of their running game. That's just not the case. So... Uh, well, I agree with you. They've decided because they hardly ever give running backs a contract. They're like, Lewis, you are good. We're going to develop you. We're going to use you. But he's not going to get 15-plus a game. That's just not going to happen based on his usage so far. I don't care if he's injured or not. They're still sometimes going to go to LeGarrette Blunt for their games. That's just how it's going to go. But it's the Patriots. You know the Patriots. Yeah. You know what they do. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is that the Patriots are going to be able to change the way that they've been doing it because they have a more talented guy. They're not going to do that. They're, he's going to have 15 or less touches put together, and I don't think he'll get on a regular basis any more than eight touches a game based on his previous games. If he does, then that's super surprising, and I just don't see it happening. I mean, the first game, uh, LeGarrette Blunt was out, right? That's the only game that he got more than eight uh, carries. Right. So I just don't see him uh, taking over the backfield. But I do see him being an installation in the backfield every game. So I, I can agree with you there. Um, we'll see. I mean, yeah, he's going to be a big part of the game plan every game, in my opinion. It's, I mean, it's, if he's only getting seven or eight carries a game, that still leaves room for Garrett Blunt to get 15 or 20, depending on game flow. But I think it's going to be LeGarrette Blunt depending on game flow. And Deion Lewis, pretty much all the time, you know, no matter what, he's going to have his his uh, his touches. Well, it's the Tom Brady middle finger tour. And Deion Lewis is the passing back. Yeah. So he's going to get his receptions in the backfield because he's the new Shane Vereen plus a little bit of, uh, you know, a Brandon Bolden or, or a Steven Ridley. So you're right. I mean, that's great for them. I, I just, you know, you know me, I'm like... You know, temper expectations here. Deion Lewis is not like suddenly the Jesus of the New England Patriots. He's not getting that many carries per game. So realize that. Although, you're right. Um, I think that he is an installation and will score points almost every game uh, that will be fantasy relevant to your team. If you look at his stats here, even in the week... Uh, uh, in weeks two, three, and five, where he only got seven, eight, and six rushes, he still scored three touchdowns and averaged probably about six receptions per game in addition to his carries. Yeah. So especially in a PPR league, the guy's a stud. Yeah. Even if he's only getting 14 touches a game, he's a stud. He's like a Giovanni Bernard on the Patriots. I mean, that's, that's the closest thing I can compare him to. Yes, I, I would totally. That, that's very fair comparison. And you know this is. And in fact, it's, it's like great, when they used Danny Woodhead well. That seems to be an even greater comparison because Legarrette Blunt and Jeremy Hill are sort of alternating good weeks and not having uh-huh, that many good uh-huh. ones, but then scoring a whole bunch of touchdowns on like a couple of weeks. Yep. Maybe the Patriots and the Bengals are, are more closer related than we thought. <laughs> um, Maybe it's a Halloween prank. It's an elaborate Halloween prank. The the 
<laughs> Andy Dalton is actually Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady dyed his hair red. Uh, so the no. last guy who's been flying under the radar a bit has been Nate Washington. Uh, so most of his points last week were garbage time points, but it seems like this year you can kind of count on the Texans to score a few garbage time points. Uh-huh. Uh, I look for him to have a similar high-volume role if Cecil Shorts is out this week. If, he's, if, if Shorts is back, I don't want to start Nate Washington. Maybe I'll start Shorts on a league where I have a short, uh, you know, where I'm limited in my starting wide receivers. i got to start drinking. You, you keep saying Cecil Oh, that's shorts. a good point. Uh, you drink for my Cecil Shorts. I drink for uh, yours. Uh, so the Texans do throw the ball more than any other team, including Phillip Rivers, who's throwing the ball an insane amount right now. I think uh, we determined earlier in the week that he is on pace uh, to break the yardage record this year. He's on pace for 5,600 yards. The yardage record was 54-something. 54-77. And, okay. and, and uh, also Josh McCown, who was throwing an average of 45 per game. Uh, these guys are just chucking it. Yes, uh, and Brian Hoyer, you know, is throwing it even more. Uh, so they need guys in Texas, in Houston, to soak up all the targets. Uh, Washington is the only other guy other than DeAndre Hopkins who can do that. Uh, so there's going to be tons of passes to go around. I think that Nate Washington, uh, if Shorts is out, is probably a solid WR3. Um, and this is one of those situations where uh, – you have two guys sharing an amount of touches, and whenever one of them goes out, the other one is going to be fantasy relevant. But when they're both playing, they're going to kind of cancel each other out a little bit. Yeah, I agree. So if Shorts is out, uh, Washington is a great start, and he's one of the starts I'm going to put up in my Stardom Sidham article this week, which should be up tomorrow at some point. Um, and I also want to touch upon another wide receiver that I love. I love Robert Woods, okay, because okay. Watkins has had injuries all year. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like Percy Harvin, one, was unable to perform in a wide receiver one role because he just can't do that. And then, two, is out for an indefinite amount of time now with his injuries. He's got sand in uh, certain places. Well, I was up in uh, Minneapolis again. We've mentioned that several times this past weekend. Not a lot of Harvin fans up there anymore, I suppose. Well, they know from experience that the guy is a freaking nutcase. I talked to a lot of, of Minnesota fans. Okay. And he's just crazy. I mean, he wouldn't play some days. He he thought he had a bunch of migraines. He was taking weird prescription medication. He had, like, strange fits of rage and like uh, in the locker room. Like, he's just insane. So, I mean, now he's injured and insane, and there's no number one wide receiver to take the the defense away from him. So yeah. he's just not going to play, I don't think, for maybe ever. Look, if, if Kumbaya, <laughs> let me help you out here, Pete Carroll, uh, got rid of him, then I don't see Percy Harvin as, you know, if, if he's got all those problems, I don't see him lasting. He does Rex the same Ryan thing. isn't going to be the one to put his arm around him and fix him. No, he does the same thing that he that, uh, that he did in, in Minneapolis, which was he will have a couple games that are big and make you think he's a good receiver, and then he'll crack up and become a nutcase. Uh, and that's sort of what he is being. Now, Watkins may come back this next week uh, or the week following. I'm not really They're sure. They're on by uh, coming home from London. But Robert Woods is a, is a great guy for me as a, as a pickup target and a guy to play because he can, has demonstrated that he can take over that number one role. And, for example, he... He had helped to lead them uh, to come back uh, against Jacksonville 
Um, not all the way, but almost all the way. Yeah. Uh, in the London game this previous week, he had nine for 84 and a touchdown. Um, and he did so well. The previous week, he had four for 47. Uh, before that, when he was behind Sammy Watkins and Percy Harvin, he did well every week, putting up two, three, or four receptions for a various amount of yards. And remember last year, Woods was a target for us to pick up as a rookie, uh, not a rookie, a uh, second-year guy, several times during the year. We had mentioned that he was a great uh, a great pickup, and he performed and had a couple big games. And he's going to have a better quarterback now with Tyrod Taylor. So I think that Woods is a guy that you could pick up and play in a wide receiver three or flex position. That is with or without Sammy Watkins because there is no Percy Harvins. He does not exist. He is a fictional character in the Buffalo Bills history. All right. So having tight end problems? If they're fantasy football related, try a nice, relaxing Crockett Gilmore. Is this some kind of commercial? Maybe. So (laughs) Gilmore is easily the second best target on his team right now. They have... they have Steve Smith. They have no one else. Kamar Aiken did really well, to be fair, he's, uh, to fill in for Steve Smith. But once Steve Smith is back, he's an afterthought. That's true. Uh, so they play the Chargers, who got beat pretty badly by Oakland through the air last week. Um, so he's a decent replacement, in my opinion. If you're sick of playing Kyle Rudolph and Jordan Cameron, guys who just have the lowest ceiling around. I think Crockett Gilmore could be one of those guys who ends up with six or seven receptions, and if he scores a touchdown, then he's going to have a very respectable amount of points. Yeah, the only problem there is that there's a lot of tight ends on that team that they like constantly rotate out like it's a Ferris wheel of tight ends. Uh, but you're right, Gilmore is a guy that they've been passing to constantly, and... Uh, I like them too. If you if you're having tight end problems, I like your commercial. It sold me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we can wrap this puppy up. I think. Sure thing. Cheers, Cheers buddy. Yep. Mmm. Tasty. Well, thanks again for listening to the Drink Five Fantasy Football Podcast tonight. Uh, we were your hosts, Dave and Jason. That's me, Jason, not Dave. Please do <laughs> check out our website at drink5.com where we constantly have a rotunda of fantasy-related content and some some non-related uh, in the off-season, so keep that in mind. Uh, we have rankings up right now, and we will have uh, stardom sit-ems and rookie report and uh, daily fantasy lineups. Confidence and, pool. And much more. Yeah. Come check us out. Make sure you go to uh, Mixler and follow us so that you can get alerts when the show is starting. And uh, follow us on Twitter. Go to Facebook and like our page, Drink5 Network. Sure. Okay. (laughs) I I, I think I got all these things down. Dave, uh, Drink5, buddy. Uh, No problem with that.